Psalm 69, Psalm 69, and uh, you should have a copy of the lesson. If you need a copy, slip your hand up, and Ken will bring that right by so you can have it uh, when it hurts to wait on God. Uh, in Psalm 69, uh, verse 1, we're going to begin reading. Um, if you're interested in going to the couples retreat, please get signed up for that. And uh, if uh, we do not get enough signed up by the 16th of June, we will be canceling that, all right? So you need to get signed up. I need to know if you're going or not. So please take care of that. And uh, you have a couple of Sundays to be able to get a final count there. Psalm 69, verses 1 through 13. Save me, O God, for the waters are come in unto my soul. I sink in deep mire where there is no standing. I am come into deep waters where floods overflow me. I am weary of my crying, my throat is dried, my eyes fail while I wait for my God. Uh, they that hate me without a cause are more than the hairs of my head. They that would destroy me, being mine enemies wrongfully, are mighty. Then I restored that which I took not away. O God, thou knowest my foolishness, and my sins are not hid from thee. Let not them that wait on thee, O Lord God of hosts, be ashamed for my sake. Let not those that seek thee be confounded for my sake, O God of Israel. Because for they, I'm sorry, for, because for thy sake I have borne reproach, shame hath covered my face. I have become a stranger unto my brethren and an alien unto my mother's children, for the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up, and the reproaches of them that reproach thee are fallen upon me. When I wept and, and chastened my soul with fasting, uh, that it was to my reproach. I made sackcloth as my garment, I became a proverb to them. They that sit in the gate speak against me, and I was the song of the drunkards. But as for me, my prayer is unto thee, O Lord. In an acceptable time, O God, in the multitude of thy mercy, hear me in the uh, truth of thy salvation. When it hurts to wait on God, it certainly you get a sense in, of feeling the emotional distress that David is in as you read through this chapter. And uh, certainly all of us could share different Bible verses that uh, speak to us about uh, the benefits of being willing to wait on the Lord. And uh, certainly sometimes what we do is in our frustration and our difficulties in life, we have a tendency to run away from God or run ahead of God. And uh, because sometimes it's just a very uncomfortable situation uh, to wait for God to move and do what his will is in our life. So Isaiah 40 in verse 31 says, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Uh, the statement as far as the strength and, and the being able to run and be able to walk and not to faint is based on the reality of waiting on God. And I think that's one of the hardest things to do sometimes. I don't know about you, but it is for me. I want something done. I want it done now. I want to be able to experience what God's will is for my life now. But God says you have to wait. And so it hurts sometimes, and it's difficult to do that. Psalm 27 in verse 14 says, Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, 
and he shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. And so when we're trying to discern the will of God, we need to just wait for God to confirm that in our hearts. When we're dealing with uh, sorrows and difficulties in our life, we don't understand uh, the situation or we don't understand why we're going through that. We need to wait on God to bring to pass his will. He is still on the throne. He's still in control and he can do whatever he pleases to do at the time that he chooses to do that. But in the process of waiting on God, there can be much sorrow and much grief. And uh, David certainly understood that. Uh, you can think of people who have different grief. I've, over the years, I've talked with people whose hearts were just broken uh, because they have a wayward child. And I, I don't think there's anything that really rips the heart out of a parent than have a child who goes away from God, who despises the very things of God, and because of that, there's a complete uh, breakdown in your relationship as parent and child. And uh, the grief of praying and asking and believing God that he said he had to train up a child in a way he should go when he's old will not depart from it rips the heart out of a, of a parent uh, who's a believer as they're waiting for God to turn the heart of their child. And you think of personal illness or loved ones who are ill and they go through things uh, how it just rips your heart out to, to suffer, uh, seeing someone else suffer, and uh, yet going to God in prayer and pleading with the Lord of heaven, knowing that he's a divine physician, but seemingly there's nothing going on or nothing is happening. And uh, the distress, the emotional move on the, on the heart of someone, the desire for loved ones to be saved. Over the years, I've seen so many people just weep before the Lord for their loved ones to be saved. Paul said, my brethren, my heart's desire for Israel is that they might be saved. And uh, I, 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 really, I really cannot bring myself to wish hell on anybody, the most wicked person in this whole world, the torments of hell. But yet we have loved ones who are not saved. They've never trusted Christ as their Savior. They hold on to their religion you try to witness to them, you pray for them, you try to be a testimony before them, and yet they're not saved. And so it breaks a person's heart. I think of people who stress and uh, out because uh, pastors or deacons or Sunday school teachers or junior church workers, and you could just put whatever ministry you can think of within the church where you know, someone who is involved in serving the Lord and ministering to others and you desire for God to do something in the ministry. And seemingly God's not moving or God's not doing anything. And it becomes such a distress on the heart and on the soul of that individual. David is expressing in this psalm those heartaches and those, those longings that we have when we're sorrowing and where we're waiting on God to do something. It's not always easy to wait on God. And certainly David is crying out to God. In, in the verses, as we read through verse 1 through 3, we see the sense that his energy is expended. He has, he has no more strength to even cry before God. He is uh, physically and he's emotionally exhausted. And in this psalm, David's great distress uh, is waiting on God and desiring for God to move in his life. It's interesting that the psalm starts out with expressions of distress 
and a, 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 a emotional breakdown, but it's pleading for God to do something. But by the time you get to the end of the psalm, it becomes a psalm of praise because in verse 30 he says, I will praise the name of God with a song. He didn't have a song at the beginning of the psalm, but by the time he gets to the end of the psalm, he has a song to sing unto his God because he learned how to wait when it hurts when you're waiting on God for God to bring to pass God's complete will in moving in his life. This is a great psalm because it's known as a messianic psalm. It's a psalm that speaks about who Christ and all that Christ suffered. Uh, in verse 4, it says, They that hate me without a cause are more than the hairs of my head. They that would destroy me, being mine enemies, wrongfully are mighty. Then I restored that which I took not away. And so the hatred of the Savior. And my, when you read through the Gospels and you see the goodness of Christ and you see the miracles he performed and you see the word that is revealed and it generated hatred. And so this psalm speaks about the hatred that would be towards the Savior. It also speaks about the rejection of the Savior. And I put cross-references in here. You can use them as a Bible study as you uh, study this a little bit uh, in depth later. But the rejection of the Savior in verse 8, he says, I am become a stranger unto my brethren and an alien unto my mother's children. And I read that verse and I thought of Joseph. You think of a life of Joseph. I mean, he became literally... Joseph was a stranger to his brethren. He was an alien to his mother's children. I mean, he was sold into the Midianite caravan because of the hatred that was against him. He was rejected. But then you have Jesus Christ coming to his own, but his own received him not. And so you see this messianic aspect of this psalm. It shows us the hatred that would be for the Savior and that hatred would cause a spirit of rejection of that Savior. Then in verse 9, we see the zeal of the Savior. In verse 9, it says, For the zeal of thine house had eaten me up, and the reproaches of them that reproach thee are fallen upon me. The zeal of God, the zeal of Christ, uh, desiring to bring his uh, family, bring his people Israel uh, to a saving knowledge of who he is, even though he became a reproach on their lips and a reproach on their spirit. You see the drink offered to the Savior. In verse 21, they gave me also gall for my meat, and in my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. And so you, you see all these different statements in reference to David. He's acknowledging what he suffered physically and what he was going through, but it's beyond that because it certainly is a prophetic statement of what the Messiah, what the Savior would experience. And then in verse 24 and 25, we see the wrath on the betrayer of the Savior. In verse 24, it says, Pour out thine indignation upon them and let thy wrathful anger Take hold of them, let their habitation be desolate, and let, thy, and let none dwell in their tents. And we know in Acts it speaks about Judas Iscariot. When he betrayed the Lord, he went out and hung himself because of his uh, sorrow uh, that uh, Christ was betrayed. 
not sorrowing for redemption and forgiveness, but rather sorrowing because of the fact he didn't get what he wanted and didn't work out the way he desired, and he hung himself, and the Bible says he went unto his own place. He died by his own hand, and he, he was buried, and, but in his soul and spirit went into hell. And so this is a great messianic psalm because it outlines in the experiences in David's life, the things that the Messiah would experience when he would come. So let's think about David and his relationships here and think about uh, this concept of when it hurts to wait on God. David in this psalm is waiting on the Lord to do something, but in the process, he is suffering. He is hurting uh, in his body and in his spirit and in his soul. Dr. Chapel said this, often we endure trials seeking God's deliverance from them suffering is painful for us to endure or to see those we love endure. Why our instinct is to flee trials, remember that even in the midst of suffering, God's will is being done. And, and that's, that's hard to acknowledge and that's hard to accept that when you're going through the trial and you're going through that period of suffering, that you still must wait on God because in that time of suffering, God's will is still being accomplished. And if we really believe that God is sovereign, we really believe that God is in control of all things, we really believe that God uh, directs our life, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and we really believe all these things that we say that we believe when it's hurting and it's hard to go through the suffering, we still wait on God. We don't flee away from him. We don't run away from him. We don't ignore him. We don't reject him in the midst of that suffering. We want to be able to discern what is the will of God in light of what we're facing and dealing with. So for, there's three things here about David that he had to deal with in suffering in, as he waited on his God. First of all, is the matter of suffering because of men. In verse 4, it says, They that hate me without a cause are more than the hairs of my head. And so the suffering that he is identifying with here in this chapter is based on the suffering that, that others had done to him. And certainly, David was one who had experienced on many occasions what it was to suffer because of others. And so being oppressed by people's jealousy, we know the story of Saul in, in 1 Kings, I'm sorry, 1 Samuel chapter 18. In verse 7, it says, The women answered one another, and as they played and said, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands. And Saul was very wroth, and she, I'm sorry, and, and the, the saying displeased him. And he said, They have ascribed unto David ten thousands. And to me they have ascribed but thousands, and what can he have more than the kingdom, but the kingdom? And so David was, knew what it was to be oppressed uh, by other people's jealousy. Saul, because David was a mighty warrior, and as they rejoiced in the victories that were experienced, Saul was jealous because it was ascribed to David that he had killed ten thousands where Saul and they said killed thousands. And as a result of, we know the story between Saul and David, Saul 
eyed or he envied David from that time on. And Saul was plotting on how to get rid of David. He was just simply because he was jealous of the accomplishments of what David had done. Now, you have to be careful sometimes. Uh, there'll be struggles in our life because someone may be jealous of you. Uh, God may be blessing you, and God may be using you in a great way, and someone may be upset because maybe they don't get what you're getting, or maybe they don't experience what you're experiencing, and you can start to feel oppressed uh, because of the fact of the jealousy of others. And when Paul tells us this, we're not to compare ourselves with ourselves. Why? Because comparing ourselves with ourselves is not wise. And yet, as Saul here is comparing himself with David, in reference to the cry of the crowds, in reference to the victories or the accomplishments they have done, created a very aggressive type of relationship. And David knew what it was to suffer because of someone oppressing him and coming after him because of the fact that he apparently was more successful than what Saul was. And so when we are suffering because of men, Maybe somebody's offended you or some, some relationship that you have with somebody has broken down uh, because of whatever the problem may be in your life. Just realize this. You wait on God to work out those issues and work out those problems. I, I understand that we're supposed to forgive one another. If you have all against your brother, you're supposed to go try to make things right with your brother. I understand all those principles, but I do know this. There is a point where you, if you try to justify yourself, Job said, if I justify myself, my own mouth shall condemn me. David just continued to do what was right, irregardless of Saul doing wrong. And that's how we wait on the Lord when we feel oppressed by others. Uh, we just continue to do what's right, irregardless if someone else is doing right or doing wrong. We don't do right because somebody else is doing right. We do right because it's right to do right. And that, listen, that, that creates relationship breakdowns. That creates dysfunctional situations. That, that creates an anger. That creates jealousy. And it creates heartache in people's lives when you just ch simply just try to do what's right. And, but the opposition will come, the oppression will come, and when the oppression comes, what should you do? You wait on God to work it out. You keep doing what's right and let God work out the issue, even though it may hurt you. I'll tell you, there's been many times that people have said things or done things that have hurt me deeply, and I, you could testify about and say, let's have testimonies of, who, that, of things that have happened to you and how it has hurt you and wounded you in your spirit. Every one of us could probably testify of that tonight. But it's waiting on God to work it out and convert the soul or to convict the individual that brings us refuge and brings us victory. David was willing to wait on his God. And Psalm 69 is David's expression of the deep hurt that he had within uh, because of the suffering because of men. So there, he was oppressed by people's jealousy. He was the object of people's anger. And certainly Saul was angry, angry with him. But in 1 Samuel chapter 30, the, his men who were 
mighty warriors with him that were close to him were angry with him. In 1 Samuel chapter 30 and verse 6 says, But David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God and realized this, when people hurt, they become aggressive. And when, when people feel uh, uh, disappointed or betrayed, they become very aggressive. David had gone in the battle with these men. David had won battle upon battle with these men. And while they're out fighting the wars, here they are in Ziglag, the Amalekites come and take their wives and their children's captive. And as they come back, the city is burning. The smoke is rising up in the sky. They can see uh, what has taken place. And when they get back, the men who were loyal, men who were faithful, men who supported David, were so distressed, they started talking about stoning David. Why? Because their anger, they're wanting to act out their anger in some way. And who's the object of the anger? David, you had us out fighting wars. You had us out fighting battles. But while we were out fighting, there was no one here to protect our family. He was the object of people's anger. And David had to wait on his God. He, just, he encouraged himself in his Lord, his God. And uh, my grandfather always used to say, the more you stir a manure, the more it stinks. <laughs> You'll get that in a minute. And uh, sometimes somebody like this situation is so out of control, so distressful, that if David could just confront them and reason with them and plead with them, they're going to listen to him and he's going to respond. No, he just needed to encourage himself and his Lord. Because going to these men were not going to encourage him. They were angry with him. And so when you talk about waiting on the Lord because you're suffering because of other men or other people in your life, then realize this, you've got to go to God and God alone to get the strength and the encouragement to keep going on. And David, so when we wait on the Lord, when we're suffering because of men, we understand we're going to be oppressed by their jealousy. We understand that we're going to be the object of people's anger. People always have to launch their anger at somebody. When they get frustrated, they feel like the situation is out of control. There's always somebody they got to launch out at. And in that moment, if they launch out at you, Realize you have nowhere to turn, nowhere to run, but allow the aches and the pains and the suffering and the turmoil in your heart to be satisfied as you encourage yourself in the Lord your God. And the only way you can do that is waiting on God. You say, but it hurts. Of course it hurts. Jesus in the triumphant entry when he came into Jerusalem presented himself as the king of Israel. The crowds cried out, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. And a week later, that same crowd was crying out, crucify him, crucify him. And Psalm 69 records for us the prophetic aspect of the torment of the soul and the spirit of Christ as he is the subject or the object of the anger of the people. So what did he do? He waited on his God. What did David do? He waited on his God when it hurts to wait on the Lord. 
when you're overwhelmed by the harm of our loved ones. In 2 Samuel chapter 18, I'm not saying this is easy. I'm saying this is difficult. Because when you are distressed yourself, your emotions are raw, you have seemingly no strength left in you, you become overwhelmed by the circumstances in life. Second Samuel chapter 18, 33 says, And the king was much moved and went up to the chamber over the gate and, and wept. As he went, thus said, O oh, my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, would God I had died for thee, O Absalom, my son, my son. Absalom had rebelled against his father David, but as they, uh, Absalom is slain in battle, I'm telling you, David is mourning and overwhelmed with the harm of his loved one. And in each one of these situations, David had to learn how to wait on his God. And if you could wait on his God, that God could heal the heart and he could heal the soul of David and he could enable David to continue on and become a man after God's own heart. Suffering because of men. I came across this quote. It said this, suffering is unbearable if you aren't certain that God is for you and with you. And the thing that gets David through in the times of sorrow because of what other men had done to him was in the midst of all that others had done to him, he never forgot that God was for him. He never forgot that God was with him. And when there's nowhere to turn, there's no answer to the, the problem, there is no way out, realize this and always remember this, that God is always for you and he is always with you. And so we wait on the Lord in the midst of suffering because of men. We wait on the Lord when we suffer because of self. Uh, in Psalm 69 verse 5, he says, O God, Thou knowest my foolishness, and my sins are not hid from thee. See, David knew what it was to suffer because of the, the actions of others in his life. But David, in this psalm, as he's writing, he's acknowledging the fact that much of his suffering, many times of his suffering, was based on his own foolishness, his own sinfulness. He said, my sins are not, are not hid before you. And sometimes the foolish things that we do, foolish things that we say, uh, foolish responses that we have, uh, the sins that we commit, uh, sin always brings pain. Uh, David understood the pain of sin uh, when he committed adultery with Bathsheba and his son would be born and God's chastisement would come upon him and his son would die. David understood the consequence of that sin. And this psalm, he's not just crying out and blaming others for suffering that came in his life. But in this psalm, he's acknowledging his own suffering because of his self. And we live in a time and era where nobody wants to acknowledge their own wrongdoing. It's always somebody else's fault. It's either the environment that I was raised in, 
It was either the family that was mine or the lack of it, or it was some other individual's problem or the reason why it came out. It's always somebody else's fault. And when we are waiting on God, when we're in hurts to wait on God, uh, there, there must be a position that we're willing to acknowledge our part in the suffering. And when we're waiting on God, it's easy to look at and say, wait a minute, this is why I'm suffering, because so-and-so did this and so-and-so did that. But when it comes to a point in saying, man, I'm suffering because it's me, that's hard to do. In Psalm 130, notice when sin brings pain, remember that there's forgiveness with the Lord. In Psalm 130, it says, out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord, Lord, hear my voice. Let thine ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If thou, Lord, shouldst mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? But there is forgiveness with thee, that thou mayest be feared. See, David, in all of his trials and all of his difficulties, you can go over to Psalm 51, the great penitential psalm of David, be over the sin of ba with Bathsheba. David did learn one thing, that when he came into a position of suffering because of his own self, that there was always forgiveness with God. And when we fall into sin and we start suffering the consequences of our sins, remember this, that God is always there to forgive. His forgiveness is in abundance. Not only is there forgiveness with the Lord, but there is hope in his word. In Psalm 130 and verse 5, it says, I wait for the Lord, my soul doth wait, and in his word do I hope. And so we find the answers for the sorrow we're going through. We find the answers for the deliverance from the consequences and from the outcome of our sin by running to the word of God. And David knew if he, if he was going to find hope at all, he wasn't going to find it emotionally. He wasn't going to find it through these others that were against him. If he's going to find hope at all, he had to turn to what God had so stated. And so when we're suffering because sin is painful, remember that there's forgiveness with God and there's hope in his word. Number three there, there's redemption. Redemption is plenteous. In Psalm 130 and verse 6 says, My soul waiteth for the Lord more than they that watch for the morning. I say more than they that watch for the morning. Let Israel hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy, and with him is plenteous redemption, and he shall redeem Israel from all his iniquities. And so uh, David understood that redemption is plentiful with God. And so when I suffer because of my sin, I can turn to God for forgiveness, turn to the word to have hope, and then believe in the sacrifice of Christ so that I might be able to have redemption. There's redemption for the soul. Notice in Psalm 86, 13 says, For great is thy mercy towards me, and thou hast delivered my soul from the lowest hell. And what, what a deliverance, what a joy it is to be able to uh, realize that God, with God's mercy and God's forgiveness and his grace, there is always deliverance. 
and we can be delivered uh, from the pits of hell. We can be delivered from the torments of life uh, by going to the Lord because of the fact that he is aware that we are but dust, and so he extends to us grace and mercy and forgiveness, and we are, our soul is delivered. And for our body, in Romans chapter 8 and verse 23, Paul says, And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, to wit, the redemption of the body. What a day I think is going to be when we get to heaven. We no longer have to deal with the, the fleshly temptations we have in this body. It says, for we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that which we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. So waiting for the redemption of God, the redeeming of our soul, and the redeeming of our body. And so sin brings pain. Just as much as sin brings pain, service, we're talking about suffering because of myself. Service with good intentions, but without biblical reference, uh, will cause suffering in our life. Second Sam, we won't turn it over there. It's a familiar story. You remember they're bringing the Ark of the Covenant back. And as they're bringing the Ark of the Covenant back, Uzzah, they put it on a cart, first of all. They were supposed to carry it with staves on the sides of the, the Ark. They put it on a cart to, to bring it back. And as they're bringing it back, the cart rocks and the Ark of the Covenant begins to shake. And Uzzah puts up his hand to stop the Ark from falling off the cart. That's a good intention. That's something good to do. But that's not what God said to do. And he reaches up, to, touches the ark, and when he touches the ark, God strikes him dead. See, there is suffering because of ourselves, whether we allow sin to dominate and control us that causes us all kinds of problems. You can choose to commit sin or not to commit sin, and, uh, but realize this, there is always a consequence, there is always an outcome, and there is always a way to get right with God once again. And David certainly understood that there were sufferings that he went through in his life because of others, but there were sufferings he went through because of his own self. And so what we do in serving God needs to be based on biblical principles and not just good intentions. A lot of people are trying to do good things, but they're not scriptural. And it creates problems many times, and we suffer because of it. When that takes place, we need to wait on the Lord to help us understand how to biblically and appropriately approach the desire that we have to accomplish uh, what God's leading us to do. Well, there was suffering for God's sake, not just suffering because of others and not just because of suffering because of himself, but suffering for God's sake. In other words, the Lord allows us to suffer that we might bring glory to him. And uh, David experienced it in Psalm 22 and verse 6 uh, through 8. says, But I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men, and despised of the people. All they that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the, the lip. They shake the head, crying, uh, saying, He trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him. 
Let him deliver him, seeing he delighteth in him. And David experienced being a reproach because of his God. Psalm 22 is prophetic statement in reference to Christ dying on the cross. Christ died on the cross, and when he died on the cross, uh, 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 he was dying and was being uh, a reproach uh, because of the fact he was suffering for the sake of uh, his God, his Father in heaven. You know, Paul experienced it in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 in uh, verse 24. Paul says, of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck, night and day I have been in the deep, in journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wickedness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness, painfulness, in watchings often, hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, and beside all these uh, uh, things that are without that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. And so this matter of suffering for God's sake, in other words, you're suffering, God's allowing you to go through that suffering uh, as a testimony of his grace and his ability to work in your life and for on your behalf. That will never, God will never get the glory if we don't wait on God. Nobody likes suffering. Nobody likes going through difficult times. But the reality is there are those times that God allows us to go through so that he might be uh, ultimately be glorified. Jesus Christ ultimately fulfilled this matter of suffering. In Isaiah 53, 4, it says, For thus saith the Lord God, my people went down... It'd be nice if I got in the right chapter, chapter 53 in uh, verse 4. It says, Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But yet Christ died on Calvary, and his suffering on Calvary uh, was not a reproach before God, but it was a means of bringing the glory of God down to man. And so God does allow us to suffer for his sake. When suffering, when it hurts to wait on God, whether it's because of people, whether it's because of ourselves, or whether it's for the glory of God, we wait. We wait and let God get us through the suffering. Because when we come out on the other side of the suffering, then our God in heaven uh, will be glorified. You know, in Hebrews chapter 11, uh, we read of Moses uh, choosing to be a reproach uh, in reference to being with the children of Israel, being identified with them, then to be identified with uh, Egypt and the world. In Hebrews chapter 11 in verse uh, 24, says, By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And here it is, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God, than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Then in verse 26, it tells us why. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. See, Moses was willing to suffer with the people of God because it would bring an acknowledgement 
of the value and the, the strength of Almighty God in heaven. And God would use that determination in his life. He had, now listen, he, had, he was 40 years old when he went out on the backside of the desert. Uh, he was 80 years old when he came to lead the children of Israel out of bondage. And he brought him out of bondage with the power of God, with the staff that God had given him in his hand. And uh, Moses was a mighty leader, and God was glorified and exalted because Moses was willing to suffer for the glory of God. And so we may suffer because of people. We may suffer because of ourselves. We may suffer for God's sake, but in each situation we're to wait on the Lord. Adrian Rogers said this, I have not suffered a lot for Christ, but I want to tell you that those times that I have suffered and I knew it was for Jesus have been some of the happiest times in my entire life. I cannot tell you the indescribable joy that has come into my heart and my life. Suffering for Christ, waiting on the Lord, letting God bring it to pass, letting God get the glory. David sought God, he loved God, he was a man after God's own heart because he learned how to wait on God. Paul lived for God, he suffered for God, he served God because he was willing to wait on the Lord. Jesus completed the will of God when he cried out uh, before the Father, Thy will be done, and he suffered for his God in heaven, and his Father was glorified. Just remember that when suffering comes and difficulties comes, when it hurts, and I mean it hurts sometimes deeply, just wait on God. God has his perfect timing to do what he desires to do. Charles Stanley said this, Our Heavenly Father understands our disappointment, suffer, suffering, pain, fear, and doubt. He is always there to encourage our hearts and to help us understand that he's sufficient for all of our needs. When I accepted this as an absolute truth in my life, I found that my worrying stopped. I'm afraid far too many believers are fretting in life because of difficulties, disappointments, sorrows, suffering, times of suffering, because we get frustrated because we don't think God is moving strong enough, quick enough, powerful enough, and we refuse to wait on God. When things seem to be falling apart around you, when it seems like I'm weary of my crying, my throat is dried, my eyes fail while I wait for my God, just wait on the Lord and let God bring it to pass in his time frame. Amen. Well, we need to pray tonight.